Welcome to the Learning About Dogs podcast with Kay Lawrence and Frances McCormack and introducing her new collie puppy, Nika. This series is going to be focusing on all those questions that arise when you try and survive that first year with a new puppy. Lovely. So uh, on our last recording, we introduced you to Nika, which is Frances's new puppy and why she chose her and where she got her from and where her name come from so um, what i want to look at now is how did you survive that first week was it as you expected what were your expectations with her did she travel well the one thing i'd forgotten about living with a puppy is that they don't have the same skills as an adult dog and it constantly (laughs) came as a surprise to me (laughs) <laughs> that she wasn't able to do the things that Tiernan could do, that I'd taken for granted. So I think it was a real sort of insight into the learning process for me and an insight into how much I, I take for granted in terms of skills development. I mean, she had been reared in a house, so she was used to all the household noises. Yes, very yeah, much. And had she been in a car? Did she travel home well? She had been in a car for short journeys just to and from the vet, I think. Mm. But uh, traveling home was a 45 minute journey. And by the time we reached uh, the house, I had quite a copious amount of dog vomit up my sleeve. Oh, dear. Yeah. So she was she was unfortunately car sick. So So she sat on your lap in the front on the way home. Yes. She sat on my lap in the back. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Probably the best place. I think puppies sitting on your lap, you absorb a lot of the motion of the car. Yes. Um, yeah. But often it's it's not the motion that makes them sick. It's the visual stimulus going past the windows. Right. Um, okay. But yes, I think that first car journey should be as comfortable as we could possibly make it. Yes. You know, really comfortable. Because, yeah. um, you know, those first experiences with being in a car, if you are going to go and have a dog that regularly get, travels in a car two, three times a week, it can make or break them for life. Absolutely. I mean, it makes makes the car a very unpleasant place if they when yeah. they get into it and yeah. they're they're feeling yeah. nauseated. And and what are that you said that sitting on our laps can absorb the the kind of motion of it? Are there any other tips that? Help well, you know, it? if a puppy's in a crate in the back of a car, it's a bit like a pee in a colander. You know, they're right. rocking around and rolling this way and that way. Because if you've ever sat in the back of a, not on the back seat where the passengers do, but the back seat behind that you are behind the wheels of the car and any movements are exaggerated i mean i I, uh, yes i would not be a good traveler at that point in the car (laughs) and i do need to look out the window and see the horizon you know um so and again you can take the whole litter out i used to take the whole litter out in the back of the car together for car rides probably for a couple of hours actually until they all fell asleep you know, I think traveling with the litter um, is, is the most comfortable start for the puppies rather than traveling on their own because they haven't got to cope with being on their own and being inside a car. So being with the rest of the mates is easier and they can all squish in together and lean on each other and wonder what this is and wonder what that is, you know, and hear those noises together. And and they all sort of seem to squish around together. Yep. It's <laughs> interesting that you mentioned that because when I did take her out subsequently, I took her out with Tiernan. And she was lying almost on his back with her chin elevated and was much more, seemed to be much more comfortable. 
Yeah. And then yeah. if I had yeah. to take her out as a passenger, whether for vet trips or, or whatever, I would rest my arm. I'd raise my arm up and let her rest her chin on it. Yeah. And she found yeah. that yeah. to be in some ways soothing. Yeah, certainly, you know, um, when you see puppies piled together, it's their throat that they rest on another puppy. There's definitely a, um, I wouldn't say it's a pressure point, but there's a source of comfort. And if you use the heat from the palm of our hand on their throat, it will nearly always calm a puppy very, very quickly. You can actually you can put them back to sleep very quickly that way. Um, whether it comes from warmth being on a in a safe sensation, um, but it is, it's a very easy way to actually to calm the puppies down, let them rest their head on something. And so we'll see how she travels over time. You know, if that was her first journey, we'll see where she goes with that. Yes. So that first week, how did you did you have her? Did you sleep downstairs with her, or um, what was the, what was the practice? The plan was that so Tiernan sleeps in in the bedroom with me, and the plan was that she was going to also sleep in the bedroom with me, but I'd set up a crate by the side of the bed. Uh -huh. and I had put her in there. She wasn't happy at all, although she had been used to being in, in a pen. She wasn't happy in the crate, so I took her out and um, let her sleep up on the bed, and she was yeah, as yeah. content as anything there. Yeah. And that's yeah. where she sleeps now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sometimes you think later on, <laughs> this might have to change. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, the last puppy I bought home. So often my puppies have been born in the house, so I haven't had this issue of bringing a puppy home. Right. Um, I think Merrick was crated by the side of the bed, and she just, I remember just her looking up and looking around the room going, yeah, that's okay, all right, I'll sleep here, mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, and I could drop my hand down if she started making noises and go, oh, yeah, there is a person here, that's fine. Um, with Todd, I think... I stayed downstairs on the sofa with him for the first couple of nights. And quite frankly, he couldn't give a toss whether I was there or not. <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't last much longer. He says, I've got comfort. I'm not in the barn anymore. That's fine. Mm. Yeah, so he was okay. <laughs> so he's to their own. But yes, I think it, you know, what the puppy needs for the first week or two might not be the practice for life. If it is going to be the practice for life, then you need a process of gradually moving them towards where they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And is there is there one ideal situation or is it dependent on, on your well, circumstances? That's your choice, really. Your choice. I think the puppy needs to find whatever they need to be able to sleep well. It's so important that they get a full, deep, resting sleep for six mm -hmm. hours or eight hours or whatever you can get them to sleep for. And if that needs to be on your lap, sitting down, watching sports on the television, then that's what you do. You with me? Right. To, to do this abandonment where you leave the puppy to cry it out is absolutely horrendous. You know, the, the advocates that still go by that, I think they should be shot because this is the, the ideal way to start stress, you know, at being abandoned, being left yeah. alone. Every puppy that's going to be abandoned by all the things it's known is going to scream until somebody gives it attention. Why would it not? Mm. You know, it could be eaten by lions or crocodiles. So, yeah, of course it'd make a noise. Um, and where did where did that idea come from that it was a, a good idea oh, to let a puppy cry? It sounds out. Victorian, doesn't it? You know, it does. probably something of rearing babies. I have no idea, but I've never ever considered it. Never considered yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, I have lived in a house next door to somebody who did try it, 
And the next morning I said, really? Because mm. this puppy screamed and screamed and screamed all night long. And they said, oh, don't you think you should? I said, no, for goodness sake, no. Oh, thank goodness. Because we thought that's what we were supposed to do because that's what it said in the book. No, yeah. absolutely not. But it's a gradual process. So, you know, puppy starts by the side of the bed where they know they're safe, they know they're comfortable. And if they wake up and they go, OMG, where the hell am I? Oh, there's a person there, that's fine. And they can go back to sleep mm. again. And if they wake up, take them to pee but then put them back to bed again if you can otherwise you're up with the five o'clock puppy every day you know and they'll learn pretty quickly they can wake you up and get their day started um so put them back to bed even if they've got something to chew and play with until the household is ready to get up and then gradually just start to move them further away from that so they can hear you and smell you and be nearby but they've got the comfort of the familiarity of the bed that they're in that would eventually travel down towards the kitchen or the wherever you're going to sleep for the future. Um, it's a big transition, is... isn't it? From living with litter mates and your dam to then being potentially alone in a house, yes, in yes, a room, yes, in a yes. house. Yeah. A and all the scent is different as well. And if you if you can get the breeder, you know, often people are going to see the pups at six weeks old, take along some bedding. Right. take along um, puppy safe bedding not your best duvet uh, <laughs> and let the puppies sleep on it and then bring it home with that scent on it as well that will that would certainly help oh i yeah. tell you i'd have happily moved with my duvet into that whelping pen <laughs> <laughs> in fact i yes. think i did ask <laughs> and the answer was a firm no <laughs> I, I when i had a litter of the gordons i think this is a litter of 12 old ones and i were moving them from upstairs where mabel used to live her life was upstairs and she wasn't going to have babies downstairs she was going to have them upstairs thank you very much okay. so she had all her babies and they're upstairs three weeks and four weeks fine five weeks was just i can't manage you up here anymore babies we've got to go downstairs so you can start to venture towards being in the garden and i had converted a garage into sort of like an indoor area for the dogs mm-hmm. um and i had a an old um, or a, a nice sort of small mattress on the floor and of course, the first day I took them down there, she was busily picking them up and taking them back upstairs as I was taking them downstairs. It was an adventure. <laughs> so I'd burn the car, shift all the puppies down two at a time. Twelve puppies. Ooh. And um, that night there was a thunderstorm. So I got dressed and went down and sat with the puppies. And I remember sitting on this mattress with my back against the wall and having 12 Gordon set of puppies curled up on me with a blanket over all of us while the thunderstorm was going on. And it was just... Oh, heavenly moment. Heavenly moment, because yes. Mabel, you know, she's an upstairs dog. I know your baby's downstairs, but she went back upstairs and that was it. Never went down again. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't going to stay in the garage with the dog. Oh, good dog. Her love wasn't that great. <laughs> so I, I had to be the one. I had to take over, you know, den duties and sit yeah. with the puppies there. But they were fine. It was just that thunderstorm that first night. that I was worried about them being abandoned mm. in the garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, that reality of the first week, how did it how did it go? What was it like? It was it was busy um, and it was in many ways intense, but it was also all of the concerns that I had about bringing her home and and moving her in with Tiernan seemed to just dissipate quite quickly and he took over a lot of the duties of caring for her and setting down the house rules for her which I didn't even know were rules bless him Um, (laughs) (laughs) such as what so he was a good nanny he was a very good nanny you're not to chew that thing 
Oh, right. It's not a chewable <laughs> object. So, so I have some boxes of craft stuff on the living room shelves, and they immediately were attractive to her teeth, and he gave her quite a stern telling off you know, not to do oh, that. Right. Pushed her with his nose, and yeah, out of the way there, and a, and a bit of a bark. And that was that was it. So there were there were little instances where I, I saw him actually educating her about how so things should be. So how did you be. introduce them? Presumably you didn't just dump her on the floor and let's have at it. No. So we put Tiernan into the garden while we brought her into the house and put her in the... We had a, a large pen set up in the living room. And he came in from the garden. I'd put the pen up the actually the day before or maybe it was two days before just so he uh-huh. could get used to it being there yeah, he came yeah. in from the garden and pottered around for a bit in the living room and eventually noticed that there was a puppy and there was you know it was almost a cartoonish moment where his head and his shoulders raised and, and you could see him sort of just take her in for a second and they were both walking up and down either side of the pen and there were some whimpers from each of them and then he started he started making movements towards her that indicated to me that he was eager to play with her he was bowing he was you know his tail was up and it was he looked quite sort of stimulated by the fact that mm-hmm. she was there but it didn't it strike it struck me at that moment that things were going to be okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course she was used to having an adult dog to be around. Her mother was still with them when, when Well she she them. was with her mother and she there were I think there were six other dogs in the house. So she was very oh, right. and one yeah, of whom yeah. loved the puppies, so she yeah, was very yeah. well used to other dogs. She I think that's an important unsafe. element. You know, our not so much is the adult dog used to being with a puppy, which is unlikely unless they've been around a breeder that brings puppies into the house. But is mm-hmm. the puppy aware that something bigger is not just a giant puppy yes so um if, if the breeder allows other adult dogs to come in and meet them through the pen then the puppies get used to the fact that bigger doesn't mean just a giant puppy it's a different response oh my goodness this is an adult and i should do the right sort of thing with adult dogs that are sniffing us and doing all those sorts of bits and pieces um you know, rearing them with experience of other adults is a good preparation for future life for those puppies. Can you say a bit more about that, about about their learning and their understanding of, of what an adult is as opposed to a giant puppy? Well, um, they know their mother's sense. So if um, the puppies see their mother, they will go straight up to her and try and suckle. Right. Yeah. And then what she decides to do is usually entirely appropriate and she'll either tell them to it's not available anymore or lie on it and decide to play with the puppies yes Mm -hmm. so that is the ideal thing where they get to learn to play with their mother and their mother will also discipline them as well and you know most of the time the mother disciplining her puppies from doing what they're doing is is fine she she's got some inhibition to manage their behavior yep um Mm -hmm. But if you've got, say, a male dog that comes and visits these puppies and they go, oh, let's get some milk, he's going to be a bit, bit stressed about that. So he's likely to do something untoward until they realise that there are other big things that are not mothers. Right. So meeting other big things and not regarding them as your mother or just simply another giant puppy that you just run and grab is obviously part of that baby puppy's learning that this is an adult and I can't treat it like something familiar at this moment in time okay yeah so you know even watching 
my puppies. So um, so Flink's puppies played with Flink's mother, which is the puppy's granddam. And they never tried to get milk off her. I mean, she had reared puppies before. And she was the better playmate than Flink because Flink was trying to jump out of the way to avoid being suckled to death. So, course, yeah. you know, Granny was a much, much better playmate. Yep. <laughs> we're a bit rough with her at times. Mm. And then again, all my um, puppies, because there's a Gordon Setter around at the same time, even the adult dogs, when they grow up, they recognise a Gordon Setter as a playmate. They will definitely go across the field to see a, a Gordon Setter. Um, mm. And you have to do that through the fence assessment. You know, many dogs that see a baby puppy eight weeks old for the first time is like, what the heck is this? You know, mm -hmm. what's it going to do? Is it going to hurt? Well, and, you know, they can be a bit full on, you know, and start grabbing and, you know, biting and jumping up at a dog. If they're not used to it, it's it's something to be cautious of to start with. So when do you introduce them? As you did, when you feel it's safe and they're trying to communicate well through the puppy fence. Yes. And then supervise play, only supervise play. Because puppies can be pretty full on when an adult dog wants to go and have a nap especially an elderly dog takes themselves mm. away to have a nap and the puppy follows them and it's oh, you know and they're probably not experienced in delivering the right sort of no not right now you yes. know so either they get bullied by the puppy mm -hmm. or they would just over discipline yeah and frighten the puppy so it needs to be supervised and puppies hauled out the way and put back in the pen if they're being a bit over eager yes and also it's funny go on it's funny that you should say that because when puppy tried to play with us tiernan would gently remind her that he had ears by dangling them in her face <laughs> i was like no bite this instead please. Yes, yes. and i had been i'd been quite concerned about the size difference and about was he going to trample on her and you know, could he temper his own strength to play with a puppy and and i think that supervision was essential but he has, he... you said he, you know, he likes other dogs and he has experience of playing with other dogs of different mm. sizes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, that's always part of his experience and skills is being able to adapt his own behavior to suit his playmate, whether they're young or old or small or big. That is a, a skill that they need. You know, we want most dogs to learn this. Yeah. I mean, one of my <laughs> male cordon setters who was, oh, I mean, he was actually full of testosterone, bless his cotton socks. Um, he used to come and he said, oh, I want to play with these puppies. But they stimulated in him. Um, a, first of all, he had to pee on them so that everybody knew they were his puppies. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not doing that with them. Oh, well, then I'm a puppy, too. And of course, he was 16 times larger, but he would start bouncing around exactly the same way they were but of course he was that large it was like trying to play with a mountain you know so i could never let him play with them because he couldn't regulate his own enthusiasm to be a yes. puppy again but i have absolutely had other gordon setters that would lie on the floor and let these puppies drag them across the floor by their ears and it's like you know such so some adult dogs make wonderful nannies and some you know, they're like people, they're fine when the child can have a conversation, but please don't give me a baby. Yes. And so they might have to wait until they're a bit older before they can be comfortable playing with them full on. Yes. yes. So it, it's there's no hard and fast rules. There's no you know easy way to do this. They have to you have to gauge it as it goes. And in terms of supervision, supervising that play, what should people be looking out for? Anything that looks like it's going to get a bit out of control. 
Mm-hmm. So either the adult starts to get overexcited, or the puppy gets overexcited. Yes, because that's like, okay, let's go and divert this and go and do something else instead. Um, you know, having a toy that the two of them can use to play with in the early you know, hours that they get to go together, that again will stop them using each other as toys. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the puppy is going to use the adult's body parts as things to bite on. And again, the adult dog will tend to use the puppy as a toy and see what they can do with it. So having a range of toys that they can do together, pull, tug, throw, you know, and toss around, that that's probably a um, an introductory way to actually learn to play with each other. Supervision always then, supervision. And, and you mentioned bullying, um, maybe the puppy bullying the adult. What mm. what would that look like precisely? Well, those, those, those teeth bloody well hurt. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if, if a dog is and often the puppies are. So the first week they come off the litter, um, their survival instinct to something touching them is turn around and bite because whatever's touching you is likely to bite you and it's going to hurt. That you know, familiar. so <laughs> so within the litter, I've seen one puppy try and separate the willy of another puppy. You with me? It's like I'm biting on that willy. I'm going, oh my god, that's got to hurt. And the puppy that's being torn apart is screaming and screaming and screaming. Yeah. And does the other one care? Not the slightest. <laughs> you know, the noise I have to come in or mother will come and go. This is this is not on. Whatever's going on here, have some milk. Blah blah blah. Okay. Now the puppy that got taken down. Next time they're not paying attention, yes, and they feel yeah. another puppy's teeth on them, they're going to spin round and go for a, you dare get on me, I'll get on you first. So you end up with a lot of bickering and they have a very strong reflex of if they feel a hand coming down to touch them or pick them up, they'll turn around and go, don't you bite me. Yes, mm-hmm. and that probably takes a week or 10 days to fade um, because they're like hypersensitive to all that physical contact. Just from living with a, you know, if a litter of puppies of six puppies, each puppy is living with five other crocodiles. So they're a little sensitive to it hurts, you know, and it doesn't matter how much fur they've got. They've got furless parts as well. Now, if those puppy teeth get on an adult dog and the adult dog goes, good God, this hurts. Yeah. You know, feet, legs, they'll bite any part of it because their bite inhibition is not very good at that age, then the adult dog can just go, I need to get out of the way of this. And, you know, if they've got a, a sofa they can jump on to get out of the way of the puppy, it's usually the puppy that will be chasing the adult. <laughs> 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 okay, so I think we'll leave that first week's survival at that point, but it's, it certainly needs a week's dedication from everybody in the house to get through it. Thank you for listening. We shall be following Nika's first year through the podcasts. If you would like to learn more, please have a wander around our website, learningaboutdogs.com. We have many, many articles and lots of courses uh, that you can explore. We also have Facebook pages, which is Kay Lawrence and Learning About Dogs. So if you have any questions on first year topics, Um, or anything else you'd like us to focus on, please use the Facebook pages and ask. See you next time.